Amen? Amen. All right, open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to be reading in 14 through 17. In fact, we're going to be ping-ponging back to that over and over and over again. Um, we, this, this month of December, as I said in the first week of December, is kind of a weird month. We uh, have two main productions as we just finished those two productions. The Christmas moments last week and the kids uh, program before that. Weren't those awesome? They're so cool. Yeah. And just before that, we finished the uh, 90 days through the Bible as we read through and studied and taught through the entire Bible in 90 days, which was awesome. Just crazy awesome. And so what we wanted to do was, uh, before we got into January and started jumping into our next series, which is going to be a study of the book of Colossians, we wanted to really just review the whole concept of why in the world did we do that? Like, how do we even trust this Bible? And so we're calling this the book, a brief review of why it matters and what to do about it. Um, if you see on your Bible, it say the Bible, all that is saying, it's not saying any sacred word there. It's just using a typical Greek word, biblios, and all that means is book. So this is just saying that this is, this is the book. And, and we, we affirm that. We, there's, you're not going to open up your Bibles and find Genesis 1-1 saying you're reading the Bible. And it's going to go from there. The reason that we call this the book is that this is the, the book of books. There's lots of books, but this is the book. And what we're going to talk about today is what do we believe about this book? Now, on top of that, we have uh, both old and young alike in this room. And this is one of those weeks whenever parents show up and they realize, oh yeah, this is the end of December when they don't have echo going on. And then all of a sudden parents are just like, I'm so happy I get to bring my children into service with me. So the entire service, they go whoosh, whoosh, the whole time and stop lighting things on fire, things like that. And, and, so I, and so let me just let you be at ease because what I'd like to have today is I'd like to take all your kids from you for this service. Would that be okay? And your parents are like, Merry Christmas. If I, could have, if I could have all the kindergarten through fifth graders join me on stage. Kindergarten through fifth graders, come on up, come on up, come on up. And parents, again, bouncers will be at the doors making sure you do not leave during this time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I got to say that every, t every service we've done this, it has been a different experience. And by different, I mean different. And so we're going to go ahead and enjoy that and see what happens today. All right, kids, what is this? Okay, what's, uh, what does the word Bible mean? Oh, you guys are paying attention. Yes, it means book. So what does Bible mean? Book. Okay, so the first thing we need to know about this book is how did we get it? I mean, did they just, just go plow? And it's like show up on someone's pillow or did like someone lose a tooth and they pick it up and there was no quarter, there was a Bible. How did we get the book? And so that's the first question. The first station, this is station one. We're going to go to five different stations, okay? First station is how did it happen? And so in order to find out how it happened, can I read you guys something real quick? It goes like this. This is how it happened. Verse 14. But as for you, this is 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because... You learned it, you know from who you learned it from, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God or servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for good work. All right, see that bold part right there? What does it say in bold? All 
breathed. Yeah, it's kind of, what? So what I want you guys to do is get your hands and go like this, go, whoa. No, you got to make the sound. Okay, ready? <laughs> All right, seriously, we can get grown-ups to do a better job than that. All right, so what I want you guys to do is like, we got to make it a little bit louder. Okay, one, two, three. All right, very cool. <laughs> All God breathed means is this. Next slide. This is the answer. How did it happen? The, the answer to the question, how did it happen, is that God spoke into human hearts. And so when we say God breathed, that means that God went, ready? One, two, three. He spoke into human hearts. That means that he had a bunch of people, 40 people, and it looks like there's almost that many people here. 40 people have his message, his message. So it's a bunch of people, but God speaking. And it wasn't like God was like, now put a the. Now put an and. He actually spoke into human hearts and allowed them to use their own personalities and everything else. So here's what I want you guys to do. How many guys had a birthday this past year? Good. Most of you? Awesome. I had a, I had a birthday just a couple weeks ago. So here's what I want you guys all to do. When I say three, I'm going to say one, two, three. And I want you guys to say happy birthday. Okay? You don't have to sing it. Just say happy birthday all at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday. Wasn't that wonderful? See, now the parents are like claiming you. They're like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. All right. You guys all have the same message. Happy birthday. But as you can see, I wanna, what I want to do is I want to ask you your name. What's your name? Thomas. This is my nephew, Thomas, actually. Yeah. All right. What's your name? Cohen. Selah. Natalie. Sophie. James. Dylan. Rylan. Serena. Brianna. Megan. Kaylin. Leon. Haley. Danny. Lizzie, Alexander, Julia, Jonathan, Rylan, Carson, Caleb, Vivi, Eli, Sam, Blake, Mia, Delaney, Drake, Zach, Colin, Ethan, Rachel. Okay, so what was their one message? Happy birthday. But it was spoken through tons of different people, right? And if I asked all of you guys to draw me a picture, you guys would probably draw me a different picture, right? Even if I said, draw me a picture of something really cool, or even if I said, draw me a picture of like a balloon, you guys would probably would do it a little bit differently. And that's what happened. God spoke into human hearts, and that's the coolest thing. And so what I want you guys to remember about this is this. Look up on the screen. What I want you guys to remember is that God spoke into different hearts, different people, but the book, the Bible, the book kept them together and kept them looking forward to the hope of God, which was who? Jesus. And so the Bible kept everyone looking towards that. And that's, that's how it happened. But you want to know what it's like? Who wants to know what it's like? That's the next station. All right. Very carefully. Walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. All right. So what I want you guys to do is everyone just kind of like, all right, sit. All right. You can go ahead and have a seat right here and look up there. Kind of like get around this circle. Just keep on looking. You guys keep on filing in. Keep on filing in. Just find a good spot to have a seat. All right. You guys keep going. You're doing great. Now, here's the thing. The question is, what is it like when God's people, when actually when the rabbis in the Old Testament and even in Jesus' time, when they wanted people, you guys keep coming, you're doing great. When they wanted to know what the Bible is like, they wanted to help people know what the Bible wasn't like. What is this? A cracker. What, you know what kind of cracker? Saltine. Yeah, boring cracker. Yes, okay. It's a boring cracker. In fact, if I said, hey guys, what's your favorite candy? No one would say, saltines, right? But what, what are some of your favorite candies? Okay, hands up. Got, hands up, yes? Jolly Ranchers. Skittles. M&M's. Gum. Do you, do you ever eat your gum? 
So do I. All right. <laughs> All right. So, but guess what? Hands down. Before they had candy, do you know what people used for candy? Not crackers. They used this. Honey. And what they did was they, if they were really good kids, they're like, can I please just have a little bit of honey? And mom's like, no, you haven't been good. Please, can I have a little bit of candy? Yes. And they and they'd give some. And so what would happen was when they were teaching about the Bible, the guys who were teaching the Bible would say, a lot of people think the Bible is like this. And they'd hold up like a, a really lame cracker or something. They'd say, I think it's dry, not really tasty, but the Bible isn't like that. So before they read the Bible, these teachers would go, they'd put a little bit of this on there. Who would like this? Okay. There you go, buddy. Chow down on that, okay? And what they would do is say, the Bible is a little bit more like that. Now, how does that taste? Boom. Good. <laughs> is it sour? What does it taste? <laughs> What's the taste? A cracker with honey. Yes. <laughs> you are so... Where are the swanks? It's your son. Okay. Sweets. Now, actually, what they would even do is this. It'd be kind of like if in your... How many of you guys really, really love math? Okay, how many really, really hate math? Okay, what if your teacher, for those of you who don't like math, what if your teacher said, okay, open up your math books. Oh, and by the way, there's candy on the page that we're going to. People are like, boom, and they get it. And then the next day, the teacher said, okay, open up your math books, and there's candy on the page we're going to. Oh, all of a sudden, people would say, math is sweet. I love math. Because every time you have math, you have this. And that's what the guys who were teaching the Bible wanted the kids to know. They were like, this is so important. What happened to my Bible? All right, it's so important that we want you to know this. And check this out. This is even what they said. In Psalm 119, one of the guys who wrote the Bible said this, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey on my mouth. In fact, all through the Bible, they, they, when people are getting the word of God, all of a sudden they're saying it kind of is like, like honey. It's kind of like sweet. And that's what they kept on talking about. In fact, in that passage we read up on stage, look what it says here. It says, this is the reason why it's sweet. Because all scriptures God breathed, and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when we think about that, we need to know that, that what, one of the things we need to remember about this is that the sweetness, the sweetness of Scripture is what kept God's people together and kept them looking forward to the hope of God, which is who? Real loud? That's right. Well, it's real loud? That's right, and that's sweet. Now, that's, that's we learned about how it happened, and we learned about what it's like. Would you guys like to go to the next station? Okay, next station is, how do I know it's really from God? Okay, I need a volunteer. Okay, all right, number seven, come on up here. All right. Oh, actually, uh, number seven, can you, you're able to read and stuff? All right, come on up here. You're going to read something for me. All right. All right, so what I want you to do is I want you to, I'm going to get out this microphone, and I want you to read this to all these kids right here. I am Abraham Weekend, and I wrote this letter. Believe me. You guys believe he's Abraham Lincoln? No. All right, try it again. I am Abraham Lincoln, and I wrote this letter. Believe me. Yeah? No. All right, hold on a sec. <laughs> really? I'm Colin Kaepernick. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
try it one more time. Hi, I am Abraham Lincoln, and I wrote this letter. Believe me. No? Okay. Now, what is your name in real life? Go ahead. You... What's your name? Danny. Danny. Okay. So what would happen is, the answer is, the question is, how do I know this is really from God? How do we really know the Bible is really written by people that it says it's written by? There's tons of tests. Because there were some people, like this guy right here, who said that they were someone they weren't. And so they had to have a lot of tests to make sure that, is is this Isaiah, or is it just someone who's saying it's Isaiah? And even in Jesus' time, there were people who said, oh no, I'm Philip. This is the gospel of Philip. They're like, dude, you're Ed. You're not Philip. And Philip died 200 years ago, the real Philip. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. It sounded like a good idea. No. And so there was tons of tests to try to figure out who was real and who was actually Danny. Okay? All right. Give it up for Danny. All right. Thank you, Danny. All right. So here were some of the tests. Go and have a seat, Danny. Here's some of the tests. In AD 90, this guy named Yohanan ben Zakkai. He was a Jewish rabbi. And he was the guy that said, you want to know all of those books of the Old Testament? There's 39 of them. And these are the legit ones because we all agree that these are the ones that are really true. Now, he found some books that were helpful and they were historical, but they weren't God's voice. And so they said, no, those don't work. And everyone agreed on that. And then when you get in about 300 years later, you have other people like um, Athanasius, who writes an annual Easter letter, and he says, here's the 27 books of the New Testament, and this is all of them. And he even included some that some people are like, I don't know about the book of Revelation. That's kind of freaky. Is that really God speaking? And they said, no, I, I think so. And so they said, well, we can't just believe that, Athanasius. We need to have tons of tests. How many of you guys like tests? Really? Wow. Okay. How many really don't like tests? Okay, I, don't, I do not like tests, but these guys loved them because they wanted to make sure that they proved that this was actually God's word or not. And so they had these things called councils. And all these councils started to prove over and over again what was God's word and what wasn't. And it was really cool. And by the end of this, they said the books of the Bible that we have in our Bible, that's them. Pretty cool. So that's how we know what's in God's word. It's called canon. Everyone go like this with your hands. Go, wow. Uh, try again. Wow. Right. Did I do woo? No, I didn't. I didn't. Perfect. Okay, now I want you guys to imagine like a measuring stick. That's what canon means. It's like a measuring stick. And they're saying, okay, which books are actually the measuring stick that are actually God's word and which are not? And so that's what they did. Okay, let's move to the next station. Next station is what? The next station. Oh, before we go to the next station. What these guys learned about was that the trustworthiness of the book kept them together and kept them looking forward to God's hope, which was who? Jesus. All right. Now, here's the next part that's really important. Who should be able to read the Bible? Like, who should be allowed? Let's go over here and find out. Come on over here. All right, Roy, I'm going to have you. Just, you're fine right there. You're fine. You're fine. Okay, good, good, good. All right, come on over, guys. Come on, come on. And have a seat. Actually, you guys can have a seat all right here in the aisle and right here, just anywhere in this area. Just go ahead and have a seat. Come on in. Come on in. Sweet, 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 sweet. All right, I'm going to need to have another volunteer, someone who hasn't gone. Oh, boosh, 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 boosh. All right, quick, right here. Come on up, all right. And you can stand up here on the chair. Okay, you are the first person that did that. All the other kids are like, like, mom's going to bust me. You, very good. Okay, awesome. All right, so here's what happened. Who should, who should be allowed to read the Bible? Well, no, 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 not everyone. What, like, what if we just have the guys read the Bible? Should only the guys be allowed to read the Bible? Okay, well, what about all the ladies? What about all the single ladies? No? Okay, what about the people who are really, really smart? 
What about, oh, I got, the only people that should be allowed to read the Bible are pastors and priests. Eh? Well, who should be allowed to read the Bible? Okay, put it up there. Everyone should be allowed to read the Bible. In fact, the early church all the way on, people said that. They said, you know what? The Bible is like this awesome, awesome thing. It's like this amazing thing that God's given us. God called it like, like, the, he, like that he was the word and that this was something that people were supposed to like take in and read and understand. And it's awesome and it's wonderful. Now, the cool thing is, is that God wanted everyone to have that, but not everyone had the, their own copy of a scroll. But then all of a sudden, there was this guy in like in the 300s, after, in 300 AD, and his name was Eusebius Sophomorus Hieronymus. But his friends called him Jerome. And Jerome wrote this thing called the Vulgate. And it, was, it sounds really naughty, but it's not. The Vulgate was just this, the whole Bible in Latin. Do you know why he wrote it in Latin? Because everyone read Latin. But and so like everyone's like, ah, this is so cool. And the Pope said, yeah, this is great. Let's have everyone read this in Latin. So everyone's like, I just love this. And the kids are reading it like a comic book. I just love it. They're learning and it's wonderful. But then all of a sudden people stop teaching their kids Latin. Do you know why? Because Latin is lame. No, I don't know. No, it's because it's a difficult language. And so people stopped learning all of, And so all of a sudden, people stopped being able to read God's word. And the only people who still knew how to read Latin were the priests, the church leadership. And so all of a sudden, they were the only ones who had the Bible and nobody else. And so people, if they wanted to have the Bible, they had to go and they had to listen to one of these guys. Go ahead and eat it. And go ahead and describe what you are tasting. Listen up, guys. Tasty. Mmm. What does it taste like? Um... Spices. Mmm, spices. What else? Uh, cheese. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad that you guys were able to hear that. Now go home. That, and that's kind of like, that's kind of what it was all about. It was like only people that had a chance to hear about what was going on were from these guys, because these guys were the only ones who could read the Bible. And all of a sudden, people said, nuh-uh. The priests should not be the only ones who could read the Bible, right? And so this guy named Wycliffe, he decides, he's like, all right, I'm going to translate this into the language that everyone can read. I want people to be able to read this, and I want them to not only read it, I want them to understand it. And I had to keep on looking out because you know what happened? It's illegal. It was illegal to translate the Bible into English. Isn't that weird? And so he kept on doing this. But one day he died. But the movement didn't stop with him, even though people were hating on him and stuff. All of a sudden, there's this guy named William Tyndale. And William Tyndale's like, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to go ahead and make sure that everyone that I can talk to is going to get a chance to hear and understand the Bible. Not just these guys, everyone. God wanted everyone to have this. I only hand to people who are sitting down with their hands down. <laughs> just kidding. All right. No, I am serious. All right. All right. And so he kept on going over and over again. And you know what they did to Tyndale? They beat him up and they killed him because that's what you get for translating the Bible into English. But it didn't matter, because people were hearing God's word over and over and over again. And as they were hearing over and over and over again, the word gets, continues to spread out around. Do you have one? Oh, yes. Okay. And as they were going, oh, you got one? Okay. They kept on going. But after Tyndale died, what's going to happen? Who's going to translate the Bible? Well, there's this guy named Luther. And Luther translates it into German. And all of a sudden, all the people who spoke and read German could read God's word in their own language. Now, this made a lot of people angry in the church. These guys were like, well, hold on a second. If all of you guys are able to have the Bible, well, you guys might not treat this the right way. You might not understand it. We're the people who really, we're the professionals. And so they had a thing called the Council of Trent in 1546. And in 1540, who hasn't got one over here? All right. In 1546, 
the Council of Trent. Here you go. Okay, oh good. I'm gonna chuck it over there for you. Number 15. All right. Oh, there we go. Not actually, there you go. Yeah, you can give him that one, Carson, because that one's only half. In 1546, this is actually an actual picture. This is a Polaroid um, <laughs> of the Council of Trent in 1546. And what happened was at this thing, this council said, you know what? We think that the Bible should only be in Latin, even though everyone knew that Latin was lame. We think it should only be in Latin, and it should not be translated into the common language for everyone to read. We don't want that. And on top of that, we need you to all know that there's things that we say as a church that are just as important as the things in the Bible. So they're equal. Well, a bunch of people like Wycliffe and Luther and, and, and Tyndale, those guys said, uh-uh, the Bible's way more important than what the church is. The church is great. The Bible is more important than the church. True? So they said, we want this to continue getting out. And all of a sudden, people were able to understand it and read it. Now, do, we know, do you know why we should all be able to have the Bible? Look back to that passage. That passage helps us remember this. It says that it's that continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know that those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. So this is something for everyone to have from the little kid on up. You guys should all be able to have a Bible. And guess what? If you guys don't own a Bible, out in the atrium, when you guys leave, there are Bibles at a desk that you or any adult here that doesn't have a Bible can get for free. Everyone say for free. For free. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. Wonderful job. All right, now that's that station, but there's, we gotta, there's a couple more stations we need to go to. Before we get to that station, though, let's remember the widespread impact of the book kept people together and kept them looking forward to the hope of God, who is Jesus. So here's the next station. Next station is station five. Let's go over here. Go ahead and follow number seven. Actually, number seven, just go ahead and stop. All right, good. You guys can go ahead and go on, fill in right up here. Go ahead and sit down on the floor right there. You guys can keep on coming in. Those goldfish are good. All right. And some of you guys can sit on the front row in there. You can sit on the chairs themselves. All right. And I need four more volunteers. Okay. One, uh, two, three. Okay, I totally had a little girl going. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, go ahead, get up on stage. And four. Uh, okay, come on over. Yeah. All right. All right, I want you guys to stand behind one of these uh, pieces of paper. All right, one of these, and stand on the, the little piece of tape and pick up the paper when I tell you to. This is a question that a lot of people have. In fact, a lot of people say, how do I even believe the Bible because there's so many translations? Doesn't that tell you that it's kind of like lame and, and not really accurate? Well, the reason that we have so many translations and the reason why this is a good question is because people hear differently. Just like those guys, like, like Jerome and Wycliffe and Luther and all those guys, they were translating the Bible from the original Greek and, and Hebrew so that people could hear it and understand it. And people are still doing that, trying to get it into the language of today. All right, so you guys want to see something? Check this out. Make sure you stay seated, okay? All right, this is how different people handle and approach the Bible. Here's the first one. Go ahead and pick that up, right? The first way people try to read the Bible, go ahead and hold that up nice and big so people can see it out there. All right, good job is they go to the Greek and Hebrew. How many people here can read Greek or Hebrew? One, two, right on. Anyone else? Awesome. Every service we have one or two people. And then some people are like, no, no. <laughs> now, the cool thing is about this is the people who are studying the Bible by going to the original Greek and Hebrew are like the people who grind their own coffee. How many of you grind your own coffee? Raise your hands. 
Okay, those are coffee snobs, okay? <laughs> and what coffee snobs do is this. They don't trust someone else to brew their own coffee. They don't trust someone. They want to know what the beans look like and smell like. They want to know where the beans came from. They want to know the education of the farmer who farmed the beans and what his grade in math was in eighth grade. And, that's, and those people are like, oh, yeah. And when they're able to... They're loving that sound, and it just smells, and it's so fresh, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is like 14 hours after I got these burned. This is all good. And then they're able to brew this, and they, for them, they love it because they're able to drink a cup of coffee, and they know the source of it. They know where it came from, and that for them is, is important. That's the same thing. Hold up big and tall. That for the people who go to the Greek and Hebrew, the people who go to the Greek and Hebrew are just like that because they also want to understand the source of the Bible. But then we have the second group. Go ahead and hold up that. Whoa, hello. <laughs> go ahead and have a seat. The second group of people are the word-for-word -word people. And those are the people like the folks that like to drink their coffee black. How many of you like to drink your coffee black? Okay, I drink my coffee black now, but I didn't always drink my coffee black. I was shamed into it. I was downstairs eating a, a donut, and I was putting, I had like a half a cup of coffee, and then I was unloading a ton of French vanilla in there. And a guy at our church, I won't tell you who it was, but it was Jeff Prokrifke, um, leans over to me and just goes, um, you want to put a skirt on that coffee? <laughs> I was just like, that was just wrong. How could you even say it? And he's like, he's like, dude, you can't even taste the coffee. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, I can taste my French vanilla coffee. He's like, that's all you taste is the French vanilla. And it's true. He said, I dare you to drink coffee black for one week and see what it's like. I'm like, fine, I will. And I did. And all of a sudden, after a week, I could, after getting through the first couple days, which was tough, I could start to taste like coffee. Like, I could taste the difference between Maxwell House and Caribou Coffee or Starbucks. I could taste the difference between an African blend or, or a South American blend. And you could taste the nuances and the differences in the coffee. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's awesome. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I can't believe that's so cool. That's kind of like the word-for-word -word translation. This is called formal equivalence translation. These people take the Greek, and they take, if the Greek says boat, they put boat. If the Greek says and, they put and, and they go bam, bam, bam. And sometimes it's a little bit more rigid, but it, it's a lot more accurate, and they love that. So that's the word-for-word -word translation. Next one, go ahead and hold that on up. The next one is like the rest of you coffee drinkers who like to add a little bit to your coffee. How many of you guys uh, are cream and sugar coffeeers or cream or sugar coffeeers? Okay, the rest of us. All right. Now, the cream or sugar people are the individuals that say, listen, I love coffee. Seriously, I do. But I got to add a little bit of something because it's just a little difficult to digest it. It's not smooth. This helps it be smooth. All the thought-for-thought thought translation folks do is it smooths out the translation. It smooths out the original Greek and Hebrew and, and the word-for-word. Word. And what it does is it goes phrase-for-phrase. Phrase. And so, like, if, if, someone's, if the phrase says, and Jesus went in the boat, it translates the, the whole phrase rather than going exactly word-for-word. Word. So it's a little bit of a smoother translation. Word-for-word, word, this is King James Version, New King James Version, ESV, English Standard Version. Thought-for-thought thought translation is the NIV, which is what I preach out of, or a New Living Translation. That's thought-for-thought. Thought. Okay, so that's that translation. Now, there's also people who do the last one. You can hold that up. And that is paraphrase. The paraphrase people are the Frappuccinos. <laughs> this is not coffee. This is not coffee. This is delicious, but it's not coffee. There's no self-respecting coffee drinker that says, yeah, I need a cup of coffee. Bloop, 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 bloop. It doesn't happen. Go and have a seat, guys. 
The reason being is because this has the essence of coffee in there. I mean, there's some coffee aspects to it. There's some caffeine in there, sure. But it has so many extra stuff added to it. This is not coffee. In fact, even on the cup, they're honest about it. Starbucks Frappuccino, chilled coffee drink. So whenever you see something blah, blah, drink, it's like, yeah, it's not really. And so that's what this is saying. And so if you are someone that reads the most uh, popular paraphrase is The Message by Eugene Peterson. It's an awesome book. It's really helpful. It's really insightful to hear. But it basically what he's doing is he's reading the Bible and then saying, in other words, this is what I, want, I think it's saying. And that could be really helpful. It could be really beautiful, but it's not the Bible. That's like if you wrote something or I wrote something about the Bible. Cool, helpful maybe, but it's not inspired. It's not the word of God. And we can put this down. So if you're somebody that's reading the message as your Bible, I need you to know that you may be reading something that might be helpful, but you're not reading the Bible. You're reading a Frappuccino, okay? All right, let's go ahead. All you kids, you guys can go in back and find your parents and have a seat. Thank you so much. Give it up for these guys. Excellent job. Now, whether it's the paraphrase, the word for word, the thought for thought, or original Greek, I think it's good for Christians to have all those in your library. Those are good to have. And, and in fact, it's even helpful to like year by year, maybe reading a different translation than you're used to, because sometimes the passages you read over and over again can become white noise if you're not seeing them differently, okay? And so the, the final station is what's next? Where, where do we go from here? Like, if the Bible is this amazing and it's actually this true, if that's accurate, then what do we do about it? And my encouragement to all of you, whether you're old or young, is to jump in, to stop being so scared or intimidated about the Bible and actually engage it. One of the coolest things that happened in my life this past year was watching what happened when when I was engaging the Bible through the 90 days, I was reading in such huge chunks that God was working in my heart in a much more significant way. Like in my marriage and in my family and the way I work. And that doesn't mean that my marriage and my family or the way I work was perfect. In fact, there were some issues there that weren't there before. But it was as if there was something guiding me through that. It was unbelievable. And that's the Holy Spirit. And you don't have that when you're not engaging the word that the Holy Spirit inspired for you to know that points you towards Jesus. Some of us have an incredible pool syndrome, like awful, awful pool syndrome. And pool syndrome is what I call, you know, when you, when, in the summertime, when you go to someone's pool and you're just like standing there and you're like, oh, I want to jump in, but it's going to be so cold. Like if I jump in, it's going to be cold. I'm going to be shocked. And that's probably bad for my heart. And then your friends are jumping in the pool. They're having a blast and they're like, oh, come on in. And they jump in and it's initially cold, but they get over that and they get used to the water and they're having a blast. And you're like, I just want to go in, but it's going to be cold. I just want to go in. And you're like, I just wish somebody would just throw me in because then at least I could enjoy it. But I I can't because I've got pool syndrome. And I'm daunted by the whole thing and I stay on the outside. A lot of people do the same thing with the Bible. Let 2015, don't wait for 2015. Let the last couple moments of 2014 be the time where you start to engage God's word and jump in. And you're probably like, I have no clue where to jump in. So here's what I would encourage you to do. I'd encourage you to go to uversion.com. This is like, everything I'm going to tell you right now is free. Um, One of the things that helped people during the 90 days was not having a printed copy. Some people, that was really helpful of what to read each day. But most people went to uversion.com and had it on their phones that was alerting them what to read that day. And so on uversion.com, you're able to find out that there's all these, there's like reading the Bible through in 90 days, reading the Bible through in one year, reading through the Old Testament in a year, reading through the New Testament in a year. 
They've got even like tinier plans for people, like women's Bible studies plans, men's Bible study plans, men who like to woodwork while drinking chai tea plans. I mean, it's got everything on there. Search for it. You're going to find it and engage and jump in in God's word. During the 90 days, though, one of the things that we encourage people to do is this. If you're reading the Bible, you're going to have doubts and you're going to have questions surface. If you're not having doubts and you're not having questions surface, you're not reading the Bible. And we encourage people to write those questions in so we could do our best to answer those every week. And that was super cool. And we're actually going to collect all the questions and all the answers from that. We're going to publish that out for everyone to be able to have and look through those. Because that was just so epic, the, the different things that people ha- asked and some of the question, answers that Joel Senders and others helped to put together. Joel Senders did a majority of that work. And Joel was talking to me about it. And he says, you know, I love doing this. It was so cool. But wouldn't it be cool if we in- in- equipped our church to actually have questions and then seek the answers on their own? Wouldn't it be awesome? Like, yeah. And so there's this thing called um, Bible, uh, BibleStudyTools.com. And it's got commentaries. And the reason that most of you don't have commentaries, if you don't have commentaries, is because either you don't want to buy them or you don't know where to find them or which ones are good. This one's got a bunch of commentaries on there. So if you're reading through Matthew 1 and you're like, I have no clue what this is saying, you could type that into their search queue and it's going to give you commentaries to help you understand it. So you're going to be able to seek and find the answers on your own, which is so cool. Um, I'd also encourage you to go to Bible.org because they've got the same type of thing at Bible.org. But at Bible.org, they also have another free resource, which I've just found. I'm like, this is so cool. It's called Lumina. And Lumina has the things that you could be one of those coffee snobs. You can read the Bible in the English on, the, on the, this side, and then you could also kind of see how it corresponds with the Greek or the Hebrew on the other side. And again, that resource is free. Now, somebody in the first service told me that James Ford once said, and this is so true, he said, you know, I'm kind of tired of people saying that they want to read the Bible in the Greek and the Hebrew when they're not really willing to follow what God is saying in the English. The truth is, is that a lot of times we can go study and study and study, but we're not letting it take over us. Our goal is not to make a bunch of theologians here at our church. Our goal is to have a bunch of people who are passionately following Jesus at our church. And so not only do we want you to join in, but we also want you to become just engulfed by the word of God. See, when, when, when you actually allow God's words to hit you over and over again, it engulfs you, engulfs you and takes over. And that's what, what happens when, when all of a sudden you're, you're getting connected with God's perspective day in and day out. He's refining you and he's helping you understand who he is. So jump in, become engulfed, and then finally join the discussion. God did not intend for you to be someone sitting in your basement studying and studying and studying all by yourself. He didn't intend for you just to, to have, you know, just this awesome, epic, quiet time with him, and that's it. He actually intended for us to grow closer to him through this word in community. And it's sweet that we're doing this here, but I want to encourage you that this is not, this is like the, the launching pad, but it's not getting out of the atmosphere. We see that in, in our Christian walk when we had a chance to sit alongside other people who have questions about God's word. When we sit in their living rooms and we ask questions, we pray for one another. That's how we're supposed to grow through this word. And so you're going to hear stuff in the next couple of weeks about real life groups. Man, jump in. Do not be scared. Just jump into those. Also, Reality You, those are going to be classes here on Sunday that you're going to get a chance to see God's word and take it to, to a deeper level. So definitely jump in on that. You know, there's a lot of people that, that just want to avoid the Bible, or, or just like, I want to come and have someone else teach me. But that's not you. You're, you're very much like, like the group that Paul was writing Timothy about when he said, back in 2 Timothy three fourteen and on, but as for you, continue in what you have learned 
And I've become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible, the Bible is something that has not been able to be stopped in spite of the fact that people have tried. The Bible is the book that keeps us as a church together. It's, that keeps us as a, as a church together and keeps us celebrating the hope in God. See, our faith is surrounding and it revolves around the hub of who Jesus is. And we know who Jesus is through God's word. And so for a people who've been called out of darkness, man, the Bible is all about So why would we not want to get into this book? Why would we not want to just like jump in with all that we've got and actually engage this? And so my, my challenge to you, let's do that this year at a whole new level. So many of you took that up a notch with 90 days. Let's just continue jumping in. And if you're not in and a part of this yet, let's make this the time that we actually engage. Amen? Amen.